It's been a long, long time since we've done a podcast. Here we go. It's EOS Independence Day week. I'm here with Brandon Lovejoy, Franz, and Joachim from Haifa Dow. Obviously, Lovejoy from the ENF and myself. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and click that damn bell. We're going to talk about Haifa Dow today, what it is, what it brings, and, and we'll get into this $850,000 grant that was announced last week. Welcome, Franz and Joachim. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us. So <laughs> it is exciting. I, I, Lovejoy has been raving about Haifa Dow for a long time. I've seen the conversations in Eden. So that's how it kind of came up on my radar was I'm a Genesis Eden member. I've been following the project, obviously, since the beginning. And Riki was in there for a while and, and shared some videos and just I was amazed because I'm somewhat familiar with tools like Aragon and Dowstack and the tooling that exists in other ecosystems. And then I was also familiar with EOS DAC when it was being more supported early on uh, EOS mainnet. And I am very aware of its limitations and to, to kind of learn about how rich the feature set was with Haifa and also kind of the vision for the future that I'd like to get into today as well. But before we get into all of that, tell us what you do for the Haifa DAO. Good to be here. My name is Franz Salmeier, and I'm also a member of the Council of Haifa. More than that, everyone in Haifa are co-creators of the system, so we're all shareholders of this decentralized ecosystem. And another of the roles that I carry is called Whole Systems Integrator. That's where I specialize. My sort of my purpose in in this was recognition that a lot of our economies are fragmented, but also a lot of the sciences and ways we do things. And that comes essentially from, from the fragmentation of markets that really have formed a siloed thinking in our world, whether it's man-made borders, whether it's polarities of divide and conquer, that business as usual that has been running for, for millennia, essentially, that derived from the market forces. And what, again, this technologies promise is the integration that we can really do market-based solutions that unify this artificially fragmented ways of seeing a collective and how we create value together and share that value within those stakeholders. So that's a little bit of my role. And I specialize also in in partnerships, in allowing that these tools actually serve people on the ground and really the interface between the tech and the people out there using these tools that require them to collaborate and coordinate at scale. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Joachim Stroh. I'm in New York City, and I am on the uh, DAO product development, business development team of Haifa. Uh, I joined the organization in 2019, and you should have seen the DAO at that time and how much change we brought into this. So my focus really is on uh, bringing in, sort of building the bridges here. So building the bridges from the thinking of Web2 and you know, bring people into the Web3 space, bringing people from traditional organizations, traditional mindsets, how an organization should work, could work towards a whole new way of working together in these new collaborative, co-creative, you know, cooperative spaces. I'm really excited to be on the show here today and looking forward to more shenanigans with you guys. <laughs> we'll bring the shenanigans, but but first let's <laughs> let's hear about your origin story. How did you guys get started? What's the backstory there? Yeah, the backstory essentially was when a lot of the founders of Seeds came across each other and really decided to, first of all, create this Horizon 3, as we call it, DAO, which became Seeds. Seeds stands for 
so inequitable and ecological decentralized societies. And the idea behind this movement was what happens if we are all citizens of Earth and we can all have voice and value into that financial system. And we designed a fascinating token economics model now known as decentralized monetary policy, where essentially money is created by its users and distributed also through decentralized governance. And when the cycle of money creation is not centrally as in a pyramid scheme, as we're used to in today's dominating world, but more in a circular way where the new money creation goes directly to those who are contributing to the well-being and of the economy and society and environment. We launched that 2019, and that has become a movement in itself. And the interesting part of the story is that when we were coming together to build this, we, we were needing a tool to coordinate ourselves, a way to account for contributions, a way to really define roles. We had a, When we opened up this to the world, we had a bit of an overwhelm where we had many people wanting to show up and contribute, but it was very difficult for us to, for us to manage all that complexity that was coming in. And that's where we started figuring out how can we create these tools that would allow us to account for contributions, tokenize those contributions, give a voice to all of these different players. And that was the birth of the, the Haifa DAO itself. So Haifa is a DAO in itself. And in that journey, we also recognized that what we built was actually, perhaps in our opinion, and now that EOS is also part of this, we have one of, in my opinion, the most complete DAO toolset out there. And we've made this concept of the multi-tenancy, where now we're making these tools available for any purpose-led organization, value-based networks using open source accounting to create value together and distribute that value according to the different purposes of these organizations. Here's what I love about this origin story. and you literally built the tooling for yourself. Right. You had a project that you needed DAO infrastructure for. It didn't exist. You had to create it for yourself to make it work for yourself. And then you saw it and you're like, well, there's probably other people who could benefit from this. So how can we build it in a more generalized way so that other entities don't have to reinvent the wheel and build it themselves? So that, that's kind of been a, a common theme that we've seen within EOS, especially since the ENF kind of took off and launched last year. And all of the teams we've kind of been empowering to build tools for themselves because they're the users of the protocol and examples like the wallet SDK is being built by Graymass, who's already built Anchor. Like under the previous code contributors to EOSIO at the time, they weren't building products for the end users. They were building products for themselves, which happened to be private enterprise chains. Whereas now we're focused on how do we make the best public infrastructure that we can to build on? And how do we provide all of the tools that removes friction for other developers to be able to get up and running more easily? So bringing HaifaDAO to EOS was very important for, for kind of our guiding light with the ENF. We want to make blockchain easy. Now on Antelope chains, it's kind of on hard mode. So we're trying to remove the friction and the barriers for developers and end users. And one of the points of friction is the governance infrastructure. So you think about any project that exists with a token economy within it, and it needs a governance layer to it. So on EOS, we have projects like DFS, DeFiBox, VigorDAC. They all have different governance tooling that they either built themselves or they kind of, Vigor's using EOS DAC, which just isn't really being supported, requires you to run your own infrastructure and have someone technical on your team. So with Haifa, it's kind of like if you're building a 
project, you could focus on what your product actually is and not worry about the governance layers, the proposal layers, the payroll layer, the referendum layer, like it's all just there. So it's one last thing that a project has to actually use. And then on top of that, there's all kinds of other use cases outside of existing projects that's spinning up new DAOs. Like we have current DAOs like Eden that are going to be able to leverage it. We'll get into that feature set. But that's what I really love about this is that it's a problem and a solution. Like you saw the problem and you built the solution for yourself. And I think that that's where you get the strongest products. And I do think it's the most feature complete DAO stack. Even today, before adding all of the features that we'll get into that the, this grant will kind of accelerate, it's already one of the most feature complete uh, compared to like the most popular tools uh, such as Aragon, DAO stack. And, and then there's other governance tools like the snapshot tool, which does off-chain voting to kind of get away from the gas fees on Ethereum. But because that's kind of like the status quo, like even on less costly chains like, like Matic or Polygon and BSC, they're still using the snapshot tool, even though like it, it, it's, it's silly. It's because that infrastructure doesn't exist. And you guys are providing this infrastructure for essentially any Antelope chain, but uh, right now it's on Talos and you'll be expanding to EOS through this grant. I feel like I've really hyped this up and I'm happy to because it's a great product. Why don't we get into some of the features that exist today that you're really proud of, uh, that are really useful, and then we'll get into some of the new features that everyone could expect to come out of this grant. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Zach. And thank you for taking us through some of the history of Haifa. We've been living and breathing this uh, development and this environment, really, that uh, we started to create there for a long, long time now. And we've made hundreds of decisions. We distributed millions of tokens to our members. We structured the organization. It became really a sort of an organic growing thing that expanded over time. So we really adapted to the circumstances and changed what's coming next and what's really important to to for our users for the people to create this organization to support the the products and features that we wanted to see out there so you mentioned features like uh, governance and payroll and and how to structure an organization that's all at the core here and i want to take you back a little bit about it why we took that approach and said, what else is possible with this new blockchain technology? Because what you've seen in the past is a lot of infrastructure-driven projects, right? Features improving some of the basic core elements of blockchains. We said we can take it a step further and go sort of into a business level here and see what can we actually do to help organizations, to help startups, to help co-ops, to build their own vessels, have a whole new environment they can step into and then bring their projects to fruition, right? giving them the tool sets to say, Hey, that's stuff we would typically spend a lot of dollars and we have to hire lawyers to get this done. We have to spend hours and months and weeks really to find structure for the organization. Why don't we offer these tool sets out of the box? And that's why we came up with the concept of organization out of the box. It's everything for you in, inside that box and you just have to apply it. You configure and customize your DAO to your personal needs because every organization is different. They have different preferences, different ways of making decisions, deciding different ways of bringing people into the organizations, different ways of uh, structuring the organization. So, so let me step you through sort of the basic features that we have today. And then later on, what we're talking about in the future and 
what we're doing with uh, the Enough grant now to bring sort of supercharge this product <laughs> and really bring it to the US community and beyond. Uh, really excited about that. I can't tell you how happy we are. And the developers are really <laughs> eager now to, to jump on this now. So in terms of uh, governance, right. so we have a very flexible governance module that's in place um, that allows you to configure sort of different types of decision methods. Right. That means you can have uh, what we call like a, a consent-based decision. Right. So you want to have everybody agree to that proposal and uh, listen to any objections that are happening there. Right. So you want 100% you know, people behind a new proposal and then some people showing up to confirm that. You can also have majority votes, right. say it has to cross 51% and then the, the proposal passes. We also have a consensus-based voting where you want to ensure that everybody shows up and everybody is uh, supporting a specific proposal, like a policy, for example, right. where it's critical that you get the mass behind that and nobody has really any issues with the policy that's much more long-term, you know, an impact on the organization on a longer, longer horizon. So that could be 100% behind and 100% of people need to need to show up. We also separated the governance token that we have that gives you the voice in the organization from the utility token that we use to enable and access uh, other features. Right. So in HIFA, we have the HIFA token and we have the HIFA voice token. You earn the voice token over time. You earn that voice token by contributing to the organization, right. by running a quest, by yeah. creating a contribution, by taking on a role, applying for a role. Right. And all of these features are already part of the DAO today. Right. So you can create sort of the role archetype. You can have people apply for that archetype. But as soon as they start taking on that accountability, they earn the tokens. They earn the utility token. They also earn the governance token, which gives them now further access and further sort of trust in inside this new environment right. to say, hey, yes, this person showed up oh, yeah. in that role, has done the work. Oh. Of course, we, we want to reward him for that and give him more also voice and decision power. So that's on the government side. And there are a lot more things that are on the horizon now that we want to build into the HIFA toolset, including the sort of the, the Eden-based, uh, more uh, democratic decision process. I call it a sensing process and governance process because a lot goes into who's actually showing up here. How, how do we assemble the team, find the members here, be that a random selection or be that specific you know, expertise selection here before you get into sort of the decision mode. For us, sort of the voting part is at the end of it. Everything is clear and hopefully there's an understanding present. Right. Then you get into the decision mode to say, okay, let's vote. And then this thing is off the table. Right. You have the agreement in the DAO, which I sometimes call, it's like a big agreement machine. That's where you come together. You align with the people, you get the agreements and you get that off the table and you can focus on the really important stuff now. And if you want to go back, you can always look it up, see who voted. That's all very clearly listed there and uh, revisit that decision, but you can move on. Same with the thing like payroll. So we have a full payroll module where you can choose your compensation, the salary bands inside the DAO. My background is in HR consulting and worked in that industry for many, many years. And I brought some of these concepts in a much simplified sort of web three enabled form into the DAO that you structure your salary bands once and then every activity is now related to that salary band. And that depends on really the complexity level of, of the thing you're doing. If that's a highly complex strategic global thing you're working on, a uh, specific role, you might end up in a higher salary band versus uh, some more routine repetitive work. Right. But again, that's fully customizable for the DAO where you can decide maybe we only have one salary band, right. we pay everyone equally and so be it. So again, many different variations of the, of the theme there, but it's built in there. So it's in the box 
And uh, you can build that. I would say you know, governance and the payroll feature and the way to onboard members into the DAO. You mentioned the user interface, the experience that people have using sort of, for me, the third generation of the apps now. They're also moving up the, the value chain here. Right? The interface is becoming more transparent and understandable. So we can slowly onboard sort of the mainstream audience by say, oh, this is a new thing. Let's try it out. Build the bridge from the traditional world into this new web free world. And we're here now. And with, with your help, I think we're getting there and we'll attract a lot more people in the future. Yeah. So you mentioned onboarding new users, new people that are less familiar with this environment. Why do you think it's important for non-technical people to be able to spin up their own DAOs? And Great, great question, Brandon. And, and Franz, we feel free to jump in too. We're, we're part of an accelerator program with the BMW Foundation, and we're talking to a lot of startups there. So these are sort of small type of organizations who who need to bring new people into their environment. Right? And they're struggling really to say, okay, how do we explain how we structure the organization? They spend weeks and weeks on what kind of role do we need? What kind of people do we hire? What's what's the HR process here? What kind of acts do we need to create? We want to sort of lower that entire barrier to say, you come together with a few people that might even not look like an organization, right? but make it easy enough to say, hey, we can onboard you into this new vessel, this new tool, right? and maybe it becomes a more formal structure. So we, we guide you along the way to say, maybe there's a circle showing up there now. Maybe there's a role for you. Maybe there's some more key members that we want to invite into the organization. So lowering that barrier is really critical to this new next generation of DAOs, as I see it. Rather than seeing this as a technical, here's my 20-digit code character code account, and I have to plug <clears> it in somewhere, right. and then it's something is enabled. Right. So that, that's how I see that. Yeah, absolutely. To build on that, so back to our history, we were building these tools for for really communities that are excluded for current financial system coming already from seeds where we have the tools being used by people who don't even know how to read or write that already really kind of bring in that threshold to the grassroots. And I think that's the ultimate opportunity that we're facing right now we're in this uh, information age. And DAOs are built for the information age and we're leaving it out back this industrial age where corporations were the go-to vehicle. And what these tools enable is really that inclusion where with a few clicks, uh, a venture can be created, can be anchored into a jurisdiction, they can rent, raise funds together. And one of the important things that I really find uh, very unique in the HaifaDAO is this concept of contribution accounting. So, so these governance modules, you're able to really see capital in its multiple dimensions, so really going beyond financial capital and allowing then people to contribute with other forms of capital, whether it's intellect, whether it's their time, we can account for natural capital. And as we tokenize that, it becomes a more powerful framework to really value what's available out in the communities and also invite more communities to be part of that and also enter that. So it's really important to be as inclusive as as possible. And that's the exciting part of the of the time in human history. We are in, we call it the Dao moment. We are in a, in a place of time where I feel like more people, like the youth of today, will be will be working for a Dao before they will be working for a corporation. They will be paying with a stable coin before they get a, a credit card. They will be voting on a Dao before they perhaps vote for a government that might not represent for them. So it's really a powerful point of transition and this inclusion to bridge this market failure that has been going on 
for far too long is really the ultimate opportunity. And that's exactly what Haifa is designed to do, to figure out how can we create market-based solutions that are inclusive and integrative in, in their design and bring that to those that want to contribute especially towards this bias of regenerating planet, creating value together and organizations that are for purpose. A lot of what you said is really important to kind of what led to this discussion starting and what eventually turned into this grant that was just announced. So EOS itself is a a DAO. The token voting layer is essentially voting for the the 21 custodians of that DAO. They essentially manage the multi-sig that controls the DAO. A year ago, they, they elected a centralized entity in the ENF to kind of act as the CEO of that DAO because... There are issues with one starting out too decentralized from the start, and not having clear leadership, not having any way of pulling funds together, coordinating efforts. And the tooling, even just for the base layer of EOS itself, is minimal. It's a staking mechanism where you're staking towards block producers. It lacks many of the other tools that you would need for a more complex DAO. Um, but the since launching the ENF, like the ENF, as I said, it's a centralized entity. Like the goal is to create a completely decentralized ecosystem. And how do we get there? We need this entity today, but how do we enable other entities to form that can start picking off some of the workload, whether it be marketing, whether it be a core protocol engineering, whether it be other needs to the EOS ecosystem. So that's why when the ENF first launched last year, the very first thing that received funding was Eden on EOS, the Eden DAO, essentially. The reason behind that was it has its own democratic decision-making process. So the ENF as a centralized entity could give them the working capital, and then they have their own basic voting mechanism to elect leadership. And then those leaders decide how funds are being delegated. And so very much the long-term roadmap is to kind of enable not just Eden, but other DAOs to be successful. But to be successful, you have to give them the tools that they need to succeed. So Lovejoy was actually one of the first chief delegates of Eden. So he saw firsthand how how messy it was. And it's still messy today, a year later, because the tooling is lacking. They lack simple things like data visuals of the treasury, which Haifa provides. It lacks the ability to do what's called circles, which are essentially sub-DAOs. So being able to create like organizations or departments within a DAO. And I can go on about the things that it lacks. but like I said, it's been a year and it still has a long way to go. All DAOs do. So when this conversation began, it's like, how do we give not just first Eden, but it's available to everyone, the tools that they need to be successful so that we can continue this experiment and hopefully eventually get to an ecosystem where we have multiple decentralized organizations that are just responsible for different parts of the ecosystem. And then at some point, maybe the funding buckets are automatic. Maybe the ENFs just kind of, the ENF could still exist, but there could be these parallel Web3 native businesses that exist that kind of synergize with it. This is like the first step to it. We needed the infrastructure. It's been lacking for a very long time. Like I said earlier, there's EOS DAC at the launch of EOS. And at the time it was pretty innovative, but once anyone tried working with it directly, you realized it's kind of complex. You need to deploy your own smart contracts for it. You need to run infrastructure. With Haifa, all of that is abstracted, which makes it possible for anyone to kind of spin up their own DAO. So if I wanted to get together with a bunch of copywriters and have a copywriting little, little mini org, it could be like eight people. And the eight people in that DAO, they basically just hold each other accountable for distribution of funds. If this org could spin up, and as the model currently exists today, that DAO would be able to 
come to ENF directly or go through Palmelo or go through the direct grant framework that we have and receive funds. And then they just kind of self-manage it. And over time, if they're able to organize it and show the ability to be successful and to deliver value, the size of that organization can grow, the size of the, their funding could grow. And I think over definitely a medium to longer time frame, I think we could really see some of these DAOs flourish. A bunch of them are also going to fail. That's why removing that friction is so important because the only way that you can continue to evolve and improve is by trying a lot of different things and failing a lot, but then having those success stories also. Like I think the seeds and Haifadal story itself is one of the success stories, but there's also many failures. So I think it's important that you're creating this infrastructure to allow people to fail without necessarily investing thousands of engineering hours to just kind of build this infrastructure and to create it yourselves. I went on a little bit of a ramble there. It's a good ramble. But that is kind of how we see this. Like we call it EOS. Like it started when, when Dan was more active, the Tao of DAOs, like this vision for it. And that, that's very much still the vision. And now we're bringing the tooling to, to make that more of a reality. And it's not something that we need to wait years for because it's been literally under development for three or four years already, we're getting a very mature product on EOS and it's only going to get better. So I think that might be a good lead into like, what does this grant enable? What was included in, in the feature set for this grant? And I guess when could we start expecting to see the early results and deployments? Sure, let me jump into that, Zach. And to pick up on what you just said, one of the core tenants here is we're building ecosystems. We are ecosystem builders. We're not only DAO builders, we're taking that much further and say, we want to build ecosystems. Now, what's the difference to a sort of traditional markets, right? Markets are highly competitive. This is you against me. This is winner-loser mentality. What we're building here is a way to actually connect, to reach out, to cooperate, and to work together on finding solutions for problems that affect all of us on a planetary scale, in socio-ecological space, but also in socio-political spaces. You know, we have to get together and work together on these critical, hard to solve, impossible problems that, that we're facing here. With sort of the notion of we're building ecosystems, we're coming here with the mindset of reaching out to exchange value, to exchange the knowledge, what we know so far, with other independent entities. Right? And that's really critical. These are independent, decentralized, autonomous entities that are suddenly popping up in this new shared space that we're working in together. Right? That's an ecosystem that we're building that is much more powerful than you have individual centralized player trying to solve for everyone. Right? Institutions that are coming in, here's how we think this works. Here's the money. We want to see some results. Right? Now we're having independent entities coming up with their ideas, with their innovations, right. and figuring out ways to offer their services, their products in, in these new ecosystems that we're putting up. And then you can even take that a level up and say, well, this is also about ecosystems of ecosystems. This is a way of actually connecting different ecosystems together now, working on different problems across the planet. That's a fascinating space. And we're just at the beginning here. As Dan mentioned, this is the DAO to DAO space. What happens if you have these independent players? What emerges out of this critical mass suddenly is incredible. I mean, this is 
this is foundational. This is something we haven't seen before, right? Now we have the technology. Blockchain needed to really come on the scene yeah. to make that possible. And now we're building up the layers to say, let's invite a much larger audience into this, into this new playground. Right. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And even though within Haifa, within our networks, right? How much innovation is happening almost on a daily basis? Someone comes up with a new idea. We have the technology. We have the staffing now in place to say, yep, we can implement that. We can make it real. So, so that's why we're diving into these new features. So, so let's, let's take a look at those features. A big one, obviously, is circles. You mentioned circles and subdows. It's really critical for us to have a way to simply structure and organize the DAO. And by organized, we're following very much also more flatter organizational structures, right. sociocratic principles, sees holons, right, kind of ideas built very much into the notion of a DAO that are much more organic. Right. So these circles yeah. will evolve. And you don't know at the beginning what kind of circle structure there will be, actually. Right. At Haifa, we had circles popping up and actually shrinking or disappearing. Right. So this is very much an organic thing. It's not boxes underneath boxes. Right. It's not an org chart you're building there any longer. You know, free to build what you want to build with a DAO. And so circles is one fundamental element of a DAO, obviously. Right. And you can keep it functional if you want to. Yeah. You can say, okay, we have an HR, we have a marketing, we have a finance department. Fine. These are sort of your sub-circles inside the DAO. And you can create those, right? And then you can have members actually actually applying and, and becoming a part of the sub-circle and then doing the work. One fundamental principle of the DAO is to say any activity is assigned to a circle. Right. So if you do anything, you can start with sort of the, the one circle, the anchor circle, do everything there. That's okay. But if you feel like there is a structure emerging now, do that structure, be that functional, be that topical, whatever it is. Um, so subdivide it into groups of people that are applying for these circles and then perform activities in these circles. Right. That gives you the ability to actually decentralize, sort of push the work to the edges of the organization. Right. There's no need for everybody to know everything in the organization. You can't do that if you're growing fast. Right. But with circles, you can. You right. can actually push it into the circle. And even, even the budgeting process that we're going to build with the ENF grant is to say we're creating some new form of a living budget that actually sort of negotiates what circle need, what the circles are needing, and then give them sort of a boundary to say, yes, you can play in your box as long as you don't overstep sort of the overall budget of the organization, right. percentage of that. And that gives so much more freedom into what kind of work and what kind of people people can bring into the organization. And uh, they have the autonomy to do that. So really looking forward to that circle structure. And the other thing, of course, is uh, sub-DAOs, the, the child DAOs. Um, what we're doing is we're offering a way to launch DAOs from within DAO. And that's a very unique concept to say you can actually replicate. You can bring your knowledge, your DNA to the next generation of DAOs. And then they can take that and who knows what they are creating? Right? You don't know. Right. Your children, they have other ideas. <laughs> they push it out there to the world and let them go. Right. That's the beauty of this decentralized network. Right. And we're building that at the foundational level to say, yep, you can do this. DAOs, launching DAOs and jumping into your ecosystem, creating entirely new ecosystems if they wanted to right. and see what emerges out of this. This is so critical. So, so that's the circle topics. The other thing are uh, big thing are quests that are coming. So quests are really milestone specific undertakings, like almost like a hero's journey, right? You bring together a group of people and they're going on this journey, right? Inviting them into the DAO. Maybe they don't have a role yet. Maybe you want to get to know them better. Send them on a quest. Right? Right find the dragon, kill the dragon and come back and see how it went. So we're building this into the platform with the grant. And then other things like yeah. policies are important to us yeah. to say there's a structured way of attaching that to a specific voting method that we're applying. We're building out our voting methods to offer yeah. different granular things yeah. that are possible with yeah. the ideas that came from the, the Eden democratic process right. that's coming right. into the mix.
And we're building out our treasury, make that treasury really more functional, more operational for finance and accounting people. So they can come in and see actually what kind of tokens have we spent? What are our balances? What's the account receivable, account payable? Give me an overview of that. So things like that to bring more clarity to the financial picture, because obviously that's important to make these budgeting decisions across the organization. Beyond that, there's I have a whole list here. <laughs> if I want to go in, let me see. Templates or templates is one more thing I wanted to mention. When I, when I say you're sort of bringing sort of uh, you inherit and give sort of the, the next generation the tools they need. What you do as sort of what we call it the anchor DAO or the, the mother DAO is to say you can provide some knowledge that you put together that typically sort of reapplies to, to other organizations. And that becomes a template. So you can have a set of policies, a set of roles, a set of salaries that you feel comfortable with. And you can just say, take the entire thing and then just move it into the new DAO. And they can start from there. They start from a ready-built environment where a lot of the details already have been worked out. So you don't have to spend weeks and, and months really to, to struggle writing the policies, writing or thinking about the basic roles that are necessary. It's just there. Take it and activate it and then do it. One last thing I wanted to mention, really important if you launch a DAO, we're going through what we call it an activation process. So the DAO activation, because you still have to get together and understand what just happened. Now we're in this new space. What do you mean? There's new governance. What do you mean? I earn voice tokens. <laughs> what do you mean? There's circles now. Right? So there's still a lot of understanding that needs to happen. And, and this onboarding process that uh, Brandon mentioned earlier was really critical for that activation to say, here are the, we have these 12 key areas that you want to dive into. Make sure you understand them. You've selected the configuration for your DAO and then move on from there. That's one piece that we feel is really at the heart of it. We even want to formulate this as a consulting service okay. to say, this is critical. You need to learn how to use the DAO. Right. But the base function is there. They can really move from the theory of, yes, we want to do this thing right. and create this phenomenal product towards actually executing it and doing the work. You jump within days, you jump into the DAO and you can now start using you know, who's, who's going to be in what role, right. what kind of structure we're building here. It's so fast okay. that you take this and then put it out of the way and then focus on what you really wanted to do. Your passion, your energy can now really drive towards outcomes. Right. And that's what the DAO is really for, to build these okay. environments for outcome. Okay, I'll stop here. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> great stuff. To add, to add one more feature that I'm excited about uh, that is also worthwhile mentioning is the smart patches. It's right. one that I also find super exciting. It's um, essentially a credentialing ecosystem that can go across multiple DAOs and really functions to recognize achievements or different proofs of variety of needs that people are doing within an ecosystem. Are the badges durable or are they locked to a specific account? They are locked to a specific account. I think there could be functions where that badge could be voted on by different members, but ideally it's a recognition of someone achieving something and, and that belonging no. to a particular no, use case. I like it just because it, it essentially badges within HyphaDAO sounds like what Vitalik is calling soulbound tokens. It's very much the same thing. It's just different terminology of high. It's, it's different yeah. achievements. It's it's your reputation essentially, and you could bring it from one. You could bring that reputation from one DAO to another. It's identity. It's reputation. It's uh, more than that. What we're also building to it is also perks. That, for example, if you hold a particular badge, that might offer you a multiplier to your salary, or might offer a multiplier to your voice in an ecosystem. So it becomes again this way to leverage your reputation and have a more impactful and incentivize people to kind of showcase those things and engage uh, deeper in that ecosystem that they're inhabiting.
That's great. I love how holistic everything you all are doing. What happens when you have very passionate people working <clears throat> on something that they love, you get the best results. And like I said at the very beginning, they built it for themselves. Every feature <clears throat> that they're building, like just even with this grant, DNF's the enabler of it, but they've wanted this for probably years. And it's really just able to accelerate it. And the seeds and Haifa DAOs are going to be beneficiaries of it. They'll be able to organize and coordinate better. But then what EOS gets out of it is these tools are now available to anyone to spin up their DAO. Eden gets the top tier DAO package with every single feature possible, completely subsidized through this grant. And then there's different pricing models for different levels of grants, including a, a very nice like freemium model to just try it out. The costs should never be a barrier of entry because like we've already built this grant ecosystem within EOS. We've got Pamela, we've got Eden itself, if you wanted to spin up something else. And then just getting into the circles of the master DAO with all of the sub DAOs below it. Eden could be that master DAO that builds out the sub DAOs. I mentioned like a writer copywriting DAO earlier of eight people, but that could be a circle within the mm -hmm. Eden DAO. Circle needs these department because there needs to be carryover from election to election. Like the board may change, but the actual workers could remain the same and then the board just decides whether or not they want to continue funding that circle or not i wanted to ask i wanted to ask your thoughts on on eden in particular and and franz i know at least you're a member of the eden not eos dow at the moment and so you've had a chance to be in there and see kind of what we've been up to and what we're working with and maybe what some of the deficiencies are in our organizational like toolkit currently. I feel like Eden is always optimized for like one particular thing, which is the the process that we use to select leadership. I'm curious how you feel like that particular the Eden process being kind of brought into Haifa can augment the way that Haifa functions and then also how like what Haifa has to offer can can help Eden kind of come into its own a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see this as a purely symbiotic relationship. The beautiful thing about the Haifa DAO is that we're absolutely non-prescriptive in terms of our governance. And if we're able to add another feature that any community within the DAO ecosystem can leverage, that becomes a really powerful tool. What I love about the Eden governance is it's essentially a co-sensing strategy to really select representatives within a DAO. And I see that playing a good function in terms of for example, inter-DAO collaborations, where you can have this process where you know representatives of circles or DAOs themselves can select to be that representative and, and be the go-in-between person that represents these different groups, which is a function that we didn't have before. Um, Haifa in itself has been designed more of like a, a meritocracy where everybody has a certain amount of voice and are voting on a particular proposal. So that was a bit different, but if you combine both of those things together, I think you also are are receiving another whole way of dynamics in terms of how people assign value and attribute roles to each other and for that organization to take place in, in another human reputational building, trust building protocol. And yeah, just around a month ago, or perhaps even a month ago, one and a half months ago, I joined Eden and participated in one of the elections and it was a very interesting process to see and i also saw the pain points that you guys are facing and you know, i think when it comes to human challenges if there's unresolved conflicts with individuals i kind of landed in a group where two other people didn't like each other and i was like hey i'm the new guy and they're kind of like nagging at each other and then they 
it stalled because they refused to vote for each other. By the end, they wanted to vote for me, which was the new guy, because they were both pretty much hating on each other. We weren't able to vote on time enough to make it to the next round. So it was, for me, a very eye-opening experience. That's fairly rare, but it has happened a few times. And it's actually an interesting, I would almost argue, a feature of the process because it weeds out people that can't reach consensus because those groups don't get to send anyone forward. A quick follow-up on something you said earlier, which is the idea that the Eden governance process could be used to kind of like delegate representatives between DAOs, which is a really interesting idea. That's maybe an idea that you you, you all kind of were inspired from sociocracy, perhaps, the, the idea of a exchanging representatives between DAOs, because we've always seen, at least I've many of us have articulated the idea that we'd have multiple Edens that were all kind of representing different language groups to be able to like link up and, and understand each other's priorities and and send those representatives back and forth. So that's a really interesting thought. I guess the question there was maybe like, you mentioned a number of different organizational models that kind of informed Haifa. I wasn't really planning on going here, but maybe you could just touch on some of those or like what you pulled from each or how how those kind of inform what, what Haifa is. It's so well thought out. You've integrated so many different things together into a really coherent basket of of tools. And just kind of curious what that process was like and where you found your inspiration. Sure. I mean, I can start and then Franz uh, jump in. When we started uh, with uh, the seed socio-ecological space, uh, we talked to a lot of groups that uh, want to build villages, build co-ops, uh, come together in communities. And for us, it was critical to see, well, yeah, community is great to have fun and have great conversations there, but you want to take them further. You want to go from the liveliness of a community towards a livelihood where people can actually support themselves, support their families, make a living. In order to do that, you need to cross sort of a threshold here right? to say, not only coming together to have great fun, that's great, and you can become a, and stay a community. But if you want to do something and actually have some output, some something that serves the community in some way, right? then use on board, board a DAO. Right? Come together with, with a team of people that are ready to take it further and take it on to your journey. And there are Many, many examples out there, obviously, of communities that have done that step through, say, forming a cooperative or forming some other agreement or association to do that. But uh, with the DAO, you have the opportunity to, to do that much faster. And, 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 and as I mentioned earlier, right, at much lower entry barrier level, right? Just come in and see if it works. But right? if it doesn't work, great. If it explodes, well, then you can fractalize the thing as, as Dan would do. So, so there are multiple ways to, to come together. But it's important really to first and core thing is really, this is about the human at the center here. I mean, we even called our, our Haifa DAO the Haifa Do, so a decentralized human organization at the center. And you have to build the trust. And that's so important to come together, understand each other, see how you want to solve these problems. And uh, one of the things we're building into the sort of the, the network evolution is a ceiling, sort of a Dunbar number right. to say 150 is a solid number. After that, you need to fractalize. Right? You need to break it down into sub-DAOs because you will lose trust. You will lose the connectivity of the network. Right. But if you fractalize and become a new autonomous entity, that's great. You can work on that. But we're experimenting with that. And now France is in the space to say, why not inviting thousands of people into the space and see what's happening? Right. We don't know yet. So we have to try it out, right. see if that's possible too, within the context of a single DAO. So all of these experiments, I think, will come and we'll learn from that. Yeah, to build on that. Yeah, I agree. And 
the beautiful thing, you know, like one of the things that whenever I always get this question, I answer that this is a, you know, we talk, we talk about the innovation or a new tool, but this is also going back into the past. This is the ancient future technology. A lot mm-hmm. of the wisdom to come that we've able now to kind of infuse into the technological sphere is knowledge from how cultures have created value, distributed value, organized, made decisions. And we've really been able to kind of boil it down to the primitives and from that place really then apply different organizational structures. And you mentioned sociocracy is one of them. We have going back to the conversation of Eden, you know, we have this concept of lead links where we then evolved borrowing from burning lamp lighters, which are like the representatives of other different circles that represent or link to other circles to expand that knowledge and represent, but also teal organization, really self-organizing principles where the key is to really align around purpose. Purpose is really the fundament of what I feel HiFi enables because you're able to codify that purpose as a North Star and that serves as a compass to guide whatever value is being created in that venture. And once that is clear and people are owning also through through the tokens and the voice, they become real shareholders of what's going on, then this value creating protocols can accelerate. And that's also what we've been exploring. And we've been trying this relatively medium, small level, but I feel we're also touching already in terms of expanding this to much bigger dimensions, really what the next level is. Okay, how can we apply this to decentralized autonomous cooperatives where we're already receiving a lot of demand out there for concepts such as decentralized autonomous bioregions. There's already some amazing pre-work being done in terms of kind of how you do this onboarding strategies, communities at large. And we're talking about a planetary federation of bioregions where now we can organize and align around geographies and rivers and mountain ranges and complement that sort of fractured way of seeing the world of, of nation states, but seeing it more from from a yin perspective in terms of how how we can organize it to the natural order of things. And yeah, I think it's that's the, the beauty of this is that it's very dynamic. It's not pres- prescriptive. And it's also going back to what we were speaking before, it's essentially a a general collective intelligence framework where now all of these concepts are happening in near to real time and are open for the world to see transparent and other DAOs can learn from each other. So whenever there's a a breakthrough or a failure in that matter too, everybody can learn from it and automatically engage and readapt. And once you're able to readapt it, you're constantly improving. And once you apply that with blockchain technology and all these amazing tools that we have, we can really scale these forms of cooperation and coordination in a very powerful way. I love the phrase collective intelligence framework. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to borrow that. That's good. In the announcement, it mentioned the 14 large-scale bioregional global impact projects around the world, and I think you kind of touched on it briefly in your last response. But could you give us a little bit more detail on what those 14 organizations mentioned are actually doing? Yeah, I can speak to that, and there's multiple layers to that too. So from the from our origins with was seeds. And the idea there is, again, to account for contributions of multiple forms of capital, where we have a, essentially a gift economy where all the users are shareholders of the whole. We had a very beautiful phenomenon where a lot of projects across the world that have been stewarding land came to us and say, okay, we want to engage with you guys. You guys are in it for the right reasons. How can we take this to the next level? So now one of the 
entities that has been created within the ecosystem is called Regenerative Civics, the Regenerative Civics Alliance, and it's 13 villages across the planet that are coming together and figuring out a minimum viable template for communities to self-organize, create value together, and start accounting. So this uh, concept of land-based projects is a big one because we are we have a lot of demand from that, and we have also a lot of uh, land being offered across the world. And you can imagine what happens if you integrate land on a system where you have a DAO, where you can account for these multiple streams of contributions, where land is one that can be given a token value, but then you can build regenerative agriculture models, you can build regenerative tourism models, you can build educational models on top of that and just let it sit there and autonomously allow people to self-organize around it and earn a value from that co-creation. And as we start plugging villages like that, it becomes a really powerful force of transformation. Another layer that we've been working with, and I think that will be something very fascinating to explore with EOS, as you guys have a lot of tools in the tool set that we've been also wanting to incorporate, is we have one of the ideas that's emerging and it's consolidating rapidly is this staking protocol for land, where if you are a landowner, you can actually stake land into a staking protocol and earn value from whatever those revenue streams are going. And if you start doing that, essentially what we're at the very early stage of is we have the economical foundation that it's now, so this information age, more profitable, more economically viable to steward land than it is to own it and hoard it. And that applies to economical systems as well. As well, We're moving into this concept of utility where things are not to be hoarded, but it's about access, about giving access and equal opportunity for people who, are, who want to engage in a completely new way of creating value together. Land-based projects is one, villages is one layer that we're weaving. And also in what Joachim was saying in some of the new feature sets, we're building templates for farms. We believe and we know that the food system is the most important uh, focal point to focus on. It's the biggest opportunity for humanity. Our food systems today are not food systems, they have become industrial systems. And if we're able to kind of reverse that model and give more value to the people who are contributing to grow our organic food, and creating local consumption, local production, then it creates completely new positive feedback loops in terms of food value creation. As well, we plan to build more templates for cities where also cities can start using these templates and then self-organizing their own value creation. But then what I was also mentioning before is the bioregional approach. Here we also have some amazing partners in the works that are wanting to really organize across nations. And we have found that there's a lot of uh, cultural unity and ideological unity in countries that have been artificially fragmented. And for example, in some of the bioregions where I've been spending a lot of time, there's a huge demand from that. For example, the Mesoamerican bioregion that unites already the south of Mexico all the way to Panama. There's a lot of energetic flow that wants to actually integrate. And if you start kind of doing economical unions using these technologies across borders, it becomes a whole new force in itself. And that's a whole new chapter that we at Haifa are very excited to continue building. And thanks to this partnership with HEOS, we're, we're supercharging all of this evolution to, to make itself manifest. Yeah, wow. <laughs> there's Amazing. a lot going on that most people probably aren't, aren't aware of half these use cases. So one thing I want to kind of circle back on is you mentioned like the purchase and stewardship of land. So property is something that exists in the real world. So all of these tools you're building to optimize for like 
Web3 native organizations. But if they want to interface with the real world, they kind of need to work within the real world. So there's different like changes that have been made in different geographic areas. I know like Liechtenstein has something, Wyoming DAO LLCs became a thing a few years ago. So what are your thoughts on, on where that's heading? Because it's great to be able to help people to organize, but if they can't interface with the real world, it makes it difficult. And to add some perspective from the ENF side is, if a DAO self-organized and came to fruition and they wanted to come to us for a grant or some kind of funding, we need a counterparty on the other side. We are a nonprofit organization. We need an invoice for every business transaction. So we need to have a real world entity to do business with. So how could a DAO kind of fill in that gap to be able to interface with an org like the ENF or any organization in the traditional world, let's say. Yeah, I can start, Franz, and then you can. It's a great question, great question, Zach. And and really on top of the mind of a lot of DAO creators now. We've been looking deeply into sort of the, the Wyoming DAO. We even sent someone to, they had a conference there and uh, talked to the legislators there, yeah. see how they actually see that that law evolving there. But for me, it's fascinating because I see sort of anchoring a DAO into a sort of a regulatory context is critical, as you said. Some situations you do need to have a way to say, yep, you can follow um, the contractual agreements that you have, and they're based on real-world and traditional you know, assumptions that you anchor it in that context. So, so for me, any DAO has that ability to put that as an add-on there. And even what we're planning to do is to have it as a service. Right. So you click a button and say, actually, we, we need to create an organizational form, like an LLC, like a co-op, like a nonprofit organization, and offer that as a service you know, into the DAO interface and say, yep, let's do that. We created it. But it comes with the additional overhead, of course, to say, well, now you have a legal structure, legal entity that needs to adhere to certain regulatory frameworks, right, where you anchor it. But you can also move on and say, create a sub-DAO that uses an entirely different anchor, right. uses an entirely different regulatory framework. That, that to me is sort of built in sort of a property where you can enable it if you need it, right. if you really need to get into that space. If you don't, you can move forward. And that move forward for me means yeah. this is more of, uh, I mentioned an agreement machine. How do traditional contracts actually look on the blockchain? These are more like agreements. Right. Now you can actually take two DAOs here and say, we have that agreement here. We mirror that agreement in our DAO. We vote over here and say, we're fully supporting that agreement. We vote over here, fully supporting that agreement. And suddenly we have almost like a legal contract here, right. an agreement mm -hmm. on both sides that's on-chain, it's immutable, right. you can reference at any time. Right. And to me, that's powerful, if not more powerful than a contractual agreement, because both parties agreed here. And mm -hmm. actually, we, we actually already did that and, and worked with right. providers that say, we want to okay. build some technology for you, but we need an MOU. Right. We need a, a contractual agreement to say, well, let's move forward. Let's try that in the Web3 space and build these two agreements. We sign it here, we sign it here, we vote it in, we're all in agreement and move forward from there. And it works. Right. That to me is a fascinating aspect. So there would be a mirror, I think, of the traditional world that you see there, anchoring that in legal representations and in the virtual world where this becomes now possible in entirely new ways through these agreements that you make online. So you, you almost see it as like a tension between the two where the DAO or the non-anchored in legal reality sort of DAO can kind of tease this further into this other realm of right. agreements that are not necessarily bound in the same way. Yeah. I think with more adoption, it becomes easier because like you have 
inner DAO commerce work or contracts between DAOs, like that's easy. You could you can do that programmatically. It's it's whenever you need the DAO to interface <clears throat> with the real world, which like, the trigger like when you mentioned ownership of land, you would need something to right. do that. And then there's other things like you, you sometimes you need traditional banking. You need to pay for web servers. You need to pay for things in the real world with, with fiat sometimes. And to be able to, to open up a bank account, you need to have some kind of entity behind it. So I've seen different models work in the past, like a DAO would just elect a proxy who acts as the organization to the real world. And then they could replace that proxy with a different proxy. So it's still pretty autonomous. But now there's new uh, options in play, like the Wyoming DAO LLC that's possible, like there's other jurisdictions as well outside of the United States. With the land ownership, what's the current model being used to be able to purchase that land and then make it have utility on chain? You mentioned like the tokenization of it, staking models, like who actually owns that land in those models? Great question. Yeah, just to build on that, you know, one of the very important distinctions to do within within a DAO is that the regulation within a smart contract entity is defined by its smart contracts. So it's actually self-regulated. And what we're talking about is regulation beyond sort of like the the national state jurisdiction, but you can actually already do smart contracts that reflect philosophical concepts or ideas such as natural law or, or commons law. And that's also a whole new layer of things where, you know, people actually in a world where freedom of speech is the foundation, the rights to exchange your bits is already something that a lot of people can align to. And of course, you know, it's optimal that we work with both systems and that's where the opportunity comes where, you know, for us, we have a very interesting leverage point in the sense that the value creation that these tools will enable as we do this economical unions are massive. And if you can think about just in Haifa, our projections are in the next two, three years to create at least 60,000 DAOs in the ecosystem. And of course, if you have that conversation with any government or policymakers, it's almost like a FOMO for them. They're like, I want to be the nation state that enables this interface to my country because that's going to create a lot of revenue for my country, for my treasury, for my citizens. So that's what we're seeing now happening in many jurisdictions of the world. And we are leveraging these tools that are very complete to be sort of like that interface between government and technology. So that's the very exciting part. When it comes to law, when it comes to land as well, you actually don't, the systems don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can complement each other. So you don't even need to change the land ownership. What you're creating is a meta layer of value where you kind of have a business model that sits on top of the jurisdiction where now you're able to account for different contributions and create a revenue stream where all of those things are rightfully accounted for and everybody wins as long as, long as you're doing an omni-win-win situation. And everybody is happy with what's happening, with what's going on, because it's regulated by smart contracts. You're able to create a whole new layer of a, of a free market in there. And of course, yeah. if these things get bigger, then we're talking about massive things. Just for example, in Mexico, one of the projects that we're working on is the Ejidao. And this is, for me, mind-boggling exciting. This is the history of Mexico after the Mexican Civil War was that there was a very bloody war that the peace treaty was essentially to say, okay, we're going to let indigenous communities steward that land and it's become a legal wrapper that is protected by the Mexican constitution. Mm-hmm. It turns out that more than 50% of the Mexican territory is under that jurisdiction and they have fully sovereignty to you know, mint their own currencies, do their own governance. And what, what happens when you start 
connecting these technologies with these land-based projects across the world. I think what we're seeing is a whole reimagination of the various foundations of our civilization enabled by these new technologies that create completely new market forces that are regenerative in nature. And that's really what excites me. Epic. <clears throat> Very much on the same page with you there. Yeah, the movement in Mexico for decades and decades now has been really inspiring. Like the Mon Caminados in Oaxaca and various other places where they're doing that work is really is really cool. I've been paying attention to the like the Zapatista governance for a long time and, and very similar to even like what Eden was was doing in some ways. So so yeah, as you say, we stand on kind of the the shoulders of like generations and generations of indigenous people and other people around the world that have been pioneering really cool governance models for a really long time. So great opportunity you, you all have brought to package the, a lot of this together. Kind of reminds me of permaculture, the way permaculture is also a collection of a lot of great design strategies that have been pulled together from many different uh, traditions all over the world. So yeah, I'm really excited to be able to deploy this and get in it on EOS. So when can we expect to see some of this tooling become available for EOS and move forward together? Sure, sure, Brandon. Uh, let me give you an overview here. Actually, my next meeting coming up in a couple of minutes to start to you know, get to, to the we'll first wrap, milestone. We'll wrap right? it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, expect to see, you know, we're still in alpha mode now, but uh, it's, as you mentioned, it's a stable, mature product at this stage. And uh, we are starting working on these separate milestones right. and they're falling right. in a sequence. Yeah. And we're not talking about months and months, that's weeks and weeks. So we believe within the time frame of, I would say, six to eight months or so, we should have the complete set ready for you guys to be rolled out. So towards the end of the year already, I think seeing that the majority of features have been implemented and you can try it out. And then and towards early next year, it, that thing is ready to go. And we're ready to start into this new era together, right? Awesome. Looking forward to it. We could have had this conversation for hours. I will mm -hmm. have to do this again sometime Let's as, as some milestones are met and go over like the progress and just just talk talk to future of DAOs like in general, regardless of what's coming to EOS. Just it was so interesting hearing your perspective because like this is what you all live and breathe, and it, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of work that I don't think the wider community within EOS or even the wider blockchain ecosystem really notices or sees because they don't have the boots on the ground that you all do. So thank you all for coming on. Let's do this again. We usually wrap up these shows with a, with a go EOS. So I guess we can coordinate that. I haven't done this in so long. All right, so we can do it on a countdown. Three, two, one, go EOS, and we'll wrap it up. All right, man, it's it's been a while. Yeah. Go right, go DAOs, go DAOs on EOS. Let's just do it. Go DAOs on EOS. Go DAOs on EOS. I like that one. Go DAOs on EOS. Let's do it. Go. Yeah. See you guys next time. See you around. Yeah. Thank you so much.